actually talking about one that's a little bit different. Um, we're talking about the, the difference between loneliness and solitude. Loneliness and solitude. Uh, the last few weeks, you guys have had this opportunity to kind of fill out a little survey, and we turn them in and um, pass them back out, and you stand up, or you go to one side of the room to kind of represent the group. Um, we're, we're not doing that t- today because I didn't have time. Uh, but uh, also because um, we, we already know every single person in this room has experienced loneliness. Every single one of us. You have experienced loneliness. And many of us in this room experienced loneliness this week, this weekend, or maybe even you're walking in this room and you're surrounded by people and you still feel so alone. Like, we don't have to ask because we actually can assume that that's the case. And so as we talk about this today, uh, my hope is that you'd, you would walk away actually being challenged to realize this. Your loneliness will not be solved by more friendship. And I want you to actually, to, to like, think about that. Your loneliness will not be solved with more friendship. Which we're doing this friendship series, so it kind of feels a little weird to be saying that, but it's, it's true. Your loneliness will not be solved with more friendship. For me, one of the most lonely seasons of my life was I felt like it was my junior year of college. I had just started dating Natalie. I had a good amount of friends in college. I was, I was doing a job I loved. And I remember like sitting in my dorm room just like realizing like I, I feel so alone, even though I have the most people in my life that I've ever had that care about me. There's this moment of, like, I, I feel like people don't actually realize what's going on inside of my heart. Maybe people have asked, but maybe I felt like they didn't care, or maybe I didn't feel safe enough to share. But I felt so lonely, even though I feel like I checked all the boxes of trying to solve this idea of loneliness. Why is it that we can feel the most alone after hanging out with friends? Why is it that we can feel the most alone when we're surrounded by our family? The solution is not just more relationships. It's possible for us to experience loneliness whenever and wherever we're at. And so my hope for us is that as we dig into the word, that we would, we would sit with this. We would see what God has in store for us as we look to what uh, he, he really desires for us, especially when it comes to relationship. Uh, I was looking at a survey um, this week that was talking about, I think it was from, from 2021, and it was saying that one out of three Americans, ad- adult Americans, say they feel lonely regularly. Like, it's a normal weekly occurrence to feel lonely regularly. There's a few myths about loneliness and solving. One of them is that if you're, con- maybe you think if I'm constantly around people, I'll never feel lonely. Maybe if, uh, you think if I avoid ever being alone, I can't feel it. I, can't, I don't have to think about it and it'll go away. And some of us even think, I spend time by myself all the time. I'm actually good at not feeling lonely because I'm good at this. I actually think those are all myths that we want to debunk today. Our loneliness, and this is the the main point this morning, our loneliness proves that there is more in store for us. Our loneliness proves our need for more. So as we open up scripture this morning, I just want to open up by praying, asking the Lord to speak, especially as we're talking about something that many of us it resonate with deeply. And so would you pray with me? God, there is no one in this room that knows what's going through my mind right now. And I have no idea what's going through anybody else's. Lord, you have created us to be separate in thought 
in an, an emotion and experience. Nobody looks through my eyes and sees the things that I do. And yet, Lord, you know me. You know every thought. You know everything going on in my life, every temptation, everything that brings me joy, you're aware of, even before I am. And it's this very same thing for all the people in this room. So, Lord, we pray that as we talk about this idea of loneliness, that it actually draws us to you because you know us best. Would you help us to leave this place um, maybe being a little bit more content in the times that we're alone because of who you are? We love you. All God's children said, amen. Awesome. All right. Here we go. Ready to dive in? You got your Bibles? It's going to be up on the screen, but it's going to be also before you. The first thing that we're, we're talking about is that your loneliness is inevitable. Your loneliness is inevitable. As I've already said, every single one of us has experienced this. I'm not going to be providing you with the pill to cure your loneliness today. You will experience moments of loneliness in your life. You see, some of you, you think because you're introverted that you like, I don't like being around people. So, I mean, how could I ever feel lonely? Well, that's just not, not the case. You will feel lonely even if you are introverted. Loneliness is feeling sad about se being separated. It's up on the screen. Feeling sad about separation, exclusion, or disconnection. It's experience of sadness of feeling separate from other people. And the truth is, is as humans, we were made to be connected. We were made to be in relationship. When God created humanity, this is what happens in Genesis 2:18. when God had created Adam. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called that living creature, that was their name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found a helper fit for him. God, when he created Adam, he looks at Adam and he says, like, it's not good for my creation to be alone. And so he created all of these other things, every other being. And yet God, when he looked at Adam, he said, this is insufficient. That Adam needs one like himself. And then goes on to create Eve. You were designed to be in relationship. Like, we are not called to be like solitary animals, like out on our own. We're, we're created to be in relationship with other people. This is like what we actually desire and what we truly even need. And it's so cool that God has created us to be in relationship because God is a relational God. As Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God has always been in relationship with himself. And so when he created us in his image, of course we are going to want to be in relationship with others. We are supposed to be in relationship with people. We reflect God's character as we are in relationship with others, which is probably why it feels so significant. But the thing I said is that loneliness will be inevitable for us, that it's going to happen. Because, one, nobody's going to experience and see the things like you do. Have you ever been in a conversation and you're trying to explain like what happened and it's so significant to you and someone's just not tracking? They're like, I wasn't there. I don't understand. And it makes you feel like, man, I actually, I don't think you get me. You're missing me. Have you felt that before? Where you feel like something significant and someone else who's listening just does not feel the same way. You will experience loneliness in moments like that because we have different experiences We'll also experience loneliness. It's guaranteed because we're dirty, rotten sinners. We are messed up. And so we are going to experience this because 
we are going to be excluded from people. There are going to be times where you are pushed out intentionally by people. And I, I say that, like you'll be a victim, but also, man, I know every single one of us has contributed as well. You've pushed other people out. You have made people feel lonely, isolated, separate, because they're annoying or they're hard to be around, so it's just not worth it. Push them out. I mean, I, I, the first thing that comes to mind in my story, I got, I got bullied a ton in elementary school because I was overweight. I moved schools from Arizona to California in the middle of fourth grade, and um, I, I got like assigned a buddy, a guy in my class that was supposed to be my friend, um, and he was the only one who didn't make fun of me for my weight, um, but then got to the end of the school year, like four months later, and he told me, he's like, hey, I was your friend because the teacher told me I had to be, and it was like that feeling of like nobody loves me, nobody cares, I got like push out left and right. Have you felt similar? Maybe not to that scale, but have you felt pushed out by people? I imagine you have, and I imagine you will. We're messed up. We push people out, and we get pushed out, so we're going to feel this. And the third reason why I know we're going to experience loneliness is because you're horrible at being alone. You guys, you're so bad at it. We're all so bad at being alone. In this day and age, we stink at it because we just can't do it. We can't sit alone in our thoughts in silence without having to run to something, whether it's music or just being on our cell phones or just having to go and do. Like, I can't sit alone with my thoughts. We're really, really bad at this. And so, of course, there's going to be so many times in your life where you are alone. And because we're bad at being alone, you will experience loneliness. So if it's inevitable, if this is something you're just going to experience, what do we do? We just buckle up and say, okay, fine, this is what it is, this is what we're going to do, I'm just going to have to deal with it? Or do we spend every waking moment with people and just try to, like, cure it by never thinking about it? You see, I believe that the way we address loneliness is learning actually how to be alone well, which is like a really weird thought. It's not trying to have more friends, it's not trying to figure out how to be better around people, but it's being alone with purpose. You see, solitude is good for your soul. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to like say, not just being alone, but actually practicing solitude. Intentionally and purposefully being alone is good for your soul. And that is actually how we will solve our loneliness. You know, for thousands of years, Christians have practiced this, this spiritual discipline of, you hear maybe silence and solitude. This idea of removing yourself from people or maybe the busyness of life to actually be alone. And as we know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that you're actually never alone, that God is always with you, but removing yourself from the normalcies of life to experience, well, one, to experience your own thoughts, to be aware of what you've actually been thinking this week. And to consider, wow, God is a God who is with me, and I've forgotten him this week, and I wonder what he has to say to me. You see, if, if loneliness is the sad feeling of feeling separate, isolated, and disconnected, solitude is contentment apart from what the world can offer. To experience solitude, to intentionally go out and to be alone purposefully is to experience contentment apart from what the world can offer. 
Psalm 46, it's a good one. Verses 10 and 11, it says this. Be still. This is God speaking. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. I actually think, HSM, that those are probably the hardest verses for you today that maybe you can come across. To be still. How many of you just long for your lives to feel still? How many of you just feel so overwhelmed by all the things that you have to get done even today that the idea of being still is actually something that just feels like a pipe dream? but you long for your life to be still. And God actually invites us, be still, and not just like to go do, but be still and know, to actually consider who God is. Uh, this weekend I was at men's retreat, um, and I kind of got like bait and switched. Um, like I, I thought I was going to be doing something, and I ended up doing something else for two hours. I thought I was going to be taking a, a, a quick trip up to the, the lake on the men's retreat. It was like a four-minute drive. Ended up going off-roading with a bunch of guys for two hours, which was really fun, but I was not signing up for that. I thought I was making a short trip. But anyways, it was fun to be with the guys. Um, and going off-roading, I've never been off-roading before. But like, have, have any of you guys actually been off-roading? Anyone? A few of you? Like the things that we were doing... Like, we had to be, is it winched or wenched? Like, wenched? We had to be wenched out of a spot where we were up on two tires, and it was like, we're going to flip. Like, it was, it was wild. But as we were going, I remember, like, we're going through a spot that was a little easier. It's really bumpy. I'm in the back of a Tacoma. Um, and uh, I pulled out my phone, and I was trying to read my text. And as we're bumping, I literally could not read it because of how shaky the back was. Have you ever felt that? Like, you're, you're like, trying to read something while you're moving? That's like similar to how we try to follow after God when we're actually not still, right? It's like, how are you going to see God and consider him when your life is just moving constantly and you're trying to move from the, the thing, one thing to the next and you're missing God, you feel like he's not speaking or he's not working because actually you haven't slowed down to actually look at him, to actually sit and listen to him. He's saying, of course you're distracted. Of course you're not hearing me because you're not actually listening. You're moving too much. It's going to be hard to see. You see, God has so much more to offer us than we think he does. And some of us, we, we know that, at least mentally. But as one of my good friends says, the 12-inch the, the distance from your head to your brain to your heart is sometimes the longest distance in the world. We know it mentally, but do we actually believe it to be true? I think most of us live like we think that a best friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend is so much better for us than a God. We think that, he has, that, that that person has so much more to offer us. Satisfaction, hope, joy, the, the, the fact of being known, having fun experiences is so much better than God has to offer, if we're honest. But that's just not true. God has so much more for us. Solitude, spending time, even just being alone is good for our souls. And the truth is, is that our relationships will benefit if we're capable of actually being alone. Uh, I, I reread a, a, a section of a book that's really significant to me understanding this progression in the spiritual walk like, of like following after Jesus, of being okay with being alone and what it looks like to love others sacrificially and selflessly. There's this quote, which if you're like me and you need to close your eyes in order to listen, this quote has helped me understand this concept. It says this, talking about solitude. Without solitude of the heart, 
our relationships with others easily become needy and greedy. Are you tracking? Without being able to be alone, our relationships with others become needy and greedy, sticky and clinging, dependent and sentimental, exploitative and parasitic, because without the solitude of the heart, we cannot experience others as different from ourselves, but only as people who can be used for their fulfillment of our own often hidden needs. In other words, what's this guy saying? If you look for people to fulfill your desires, you will be using people in your life. If you are seeking, man, I just need the people around me to meet all of my needs, you will use them in your life. Does that make sense? If you are discontent by yourself, you are going to seek to be content from other people. Therefore, they're providing something for you. You're looking, you're, you're, you just need satisfaction, purpose, identity from the other people in your life. And I know what I'm saying. This is not easy, but it's the truth. It's what we will do. We will use people if we are not seeking to be satisfied by ourselves with the Lord. You see, looking the, to, to learn to practice solitude is good for our souls. To be alone, to be able to be silent for even five minutes and this is so significant, and the fact is, is that Jesus did this regularly. He did this regularly. I've got a few passages, just a few of the passages of Jesus in his ministry. Mark 1.35, and rising up very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate, pl- a desolate place, and there he prayed. John 6.15, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Matthew 4, 1 through 2, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would hope so. Luke 6.12, in these days he went out to the mountains to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Luke 22, 39 through 42, and he came out and went, as it was his custom, to the mountain of olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. You see, Jesus practiced solitude, which you're like, initially you think like, well, of course, he's, he's God. Like, he's going to do everything perfectly. But think about it. Jesus, who doesn't need anything. He does not need anything else. He did this. He spent time with the Father. Many of us are willing to say, Jesus, I'll, I'll, follow, I'll, I'll follow whatever you say to do, but are you actually willing to do what Jesus did? You see, our life of following after Jesus isn't just doing the things he said, but it's actually modeling the way that he lived his life to actually be some people that want to live like he did. And I'll be the first to admit, this is not easy. This is not easy for me to do. I, I, I love being around people. I would rather naturally just be around people all the time. And being alone is actually really, really hard for me. And maybe for you, it's, it's really, really hard for you. But difficulty is no excuse. I'll say that again. Difficulty is no excuse. There are a lot of things in the Christian life that are hard. And that doesn't mean we just get to opt out because it got hard, because it got difficult for us. Instead, we get to lean in and actually ask God to help us with it. 
uh, I was listening to a podcast that was mentioning a few books, and one of them, one of the books that they were mentioning was talking about uh, these guys who have learned how to hunt. Like, they didn't grow up hunting, but it was like their story of learning how to hunt, and they're like city folk going into the, the woods and kind of learning how to rough it, which I feel like I am, I resonate with city folk. I do not rough it very well. Uh, but uh, one of the concepts that they were talking about is right now in our culture, we are comfort creeps, which is like, what does that mean? Uh, what it means is that we will do whatever we can to feel comfortable, even like to like a creepy way. Like we just want to always be comfortable. We're not okay with discomfort, which every single one of us is like, well, of course, why would anybody want to be uncomfortable? Like why would somebody want that? But what it was acknowledging is that if you are incapable of being uncomfortable, you will be a horrible person when you are. <laughs> and that life is uncomfortable. There will be many of things that make us uncomfortable. Another concept that I talked about was uh, having adversity atrophy. You know what atrophy is? It's like when your, your muscles start to uh, deteriorate, to decompose because you're not using them. Typically, uh, I think of elderly, like as their muscles begin to kind of shrink, to, to a- is the, the verb atrophy. Um, and so I look at Alexa. She's our smart one. Um, and so like adversity atrophy, if you don't do hard things, you will never be able to overcome hard things. You, you, do you understand that? If you are unwilling to do hard things, when hard things come your way, you're just not going to do it. And so for me, like last week, I got to run a marathon, which is something that I enjoy doing. I did not enjoy running four years ago. But I had decided, you know what? People have told me that I'm not a good runner. And this is something that will be a good practice, not just physically, but spiritually for me to be someone who's saying, God, I actually want to try to do things that I'm not good at because it humbles me. And I actually have to rely more heavily on him. And to do something so hard, it is not easy to do it for anyone to run 26 miles. And it was never easy for me to do it either. But I'll tell you what, it was easier to do it this time than it was a year ago. Because I had done it a year ago. And it's so cool that when you actually do hard things, when you lean in, especially when it comes to going before the Lord and doing hard things with him, to asking him to help, that over time it actually becomes more natural and more easy that we practice that muscle instead of atrophying, that we actually grow those muscles. In HSM, I, 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 as we're like wrapping up this whole idea, this is something I was like processing with Phoebe this week as I was talking about this message with her. Um, I love that we did the what's in the box this week um, to start it because I, I think I just need to let you know that you will never be able to practice solitude on your phones. Many of us think like, man, I'm alone when I'm on my phone. It's just like, it's fine. But you will never be able to actually practice solitude on your phone. I'm not saying you can't be on your phone when you're alone, but that is not solitude. Because what are you doing when you're on your phone? You're seeking to connect with someone or something. You cannot practice solitude on your phones, which is why I honestly think why we feel more lonely because we spend more time alone than ever before on our phones and we're actually not connecting truly, genuinely with anyone. And if anything, it actually is distracting us from having true relationship. You cannot practice solitude on your phone. What does your phone offer? Well, typically your phone can offer these good things. Your phone can offer you validation. It can offer you information. It can offer you entertainment. It can offer you organization. It can offer you communication. Those are like the big things your phone can offer you. 
But what does solitude offer? Actually sitting in solitude. It can offer you peace. It can offer you contentment. It can truly offer you a greater ability to love others. And it can offer you a reminder of who you are. Who you are apart from relationships. Who you are apart from your accomplishments. Who you are apart from anything that you can contribute. You see, the Christian life is not just about getting saved and getting all these good things from God. It's about pursuing after him. And the truth is, is you're just never going to experience walking with him if you're unwilling to spend time with him. Why would God save us just to save us? He wants us to know him. He saves us into relationship with him. You see, I think many of us stay away from this because we feel like it's too complicated, it's too hard for us. So what if even just this moment, I mean, we've still got, some, we've still got 15 minutes before main service gets out. For us to actually take a moment in our week, out of the 168 hours in this week, to take 15 minutes to sit alone, not on our phones, and to actually reflect, to, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to put some questions up on the screen. You have paper and pencils, um, or maybe pens below you. But to answer these questions, not just, so, not just so you can answer them and get done, but so you can actually consider what is going on inside my soul, and then invite the Lord into it. Instead of trying to figure it out on your own and then leave this place, but consider, man, God, what's happening in my heart right now? And Lord, I'm, I actually want to speak to you and invite you into it. I'm not much of a journaler, but this is something I've been doing on Mondays. This is like my Monday morning routine. And it has been so impactful for me to actually stop and consider what emotions am I feeling? Who are the people that I've been thinking about or maybe I'm distracted by? What are the things I need to get done today that I can just write down as I'm thinking about this? And just put to the side for a second, just so I can consider, take inventory of my soul, and go before the Lord. This is a practice that you can do. You can steal these questions. You can do them every day if you wanted to. But it's meant to be a tool in order to engage with the Lord. And so um, this is what we're going to do. Um, in just a moment, you're going to have freedom to go throughout uh, this space. But if you are talking, you are preventing other people from being in silence. Does that make sense? If you are talking to someone or even just out loud, because I don't know, you're just talking to yourself, uh, you're, preventing, you're maybe preventing someone else from actually doing this. And so do other people the favor of not bothering them, even if they want you to. Let's actually do something hard together for the next 15 minutes. Let me pray for you. Father, we ask that um, in this time um, that you would help us to put our eyes on you just for a few minutes. And Lord, would you reveal to us that we need more than this? God, we, we are so lonely all the time. Many of us in this room are, are, are desperate to not feel this anymore. And Lord, you have offered us yourself. And so Lord, I pray that this practice is one that's not just done on a Sunday morning in October 2023, but it's one that invites us into deeper fellowship with you. Because Lord, there is contentment with you in this life. Lord, our friends are so good, they're a great gift, but they will never be the thing that satisfies our soul. Only you can. So would you help us to, to actually practice being alone just for a moment, to enter into even just a pocket of solitude so we can experience being alone well, purposefully with you. We love you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.